Well, good morning, Grace. Boy, I hope that song sounded as good at home as it did it here. <laughs> wow, that's a powerful word of music, right? Um, well, it's Happy Father's Day, and uh, at our house for 30 years, um, our family, my wife mostly, it's her fault, and the children get me a really ugly tie. And this year, they're sending a message. Besides it being awful and ugly, this is the three stooges playing golf, okay? Larry, Moe, and Curly. And so I get it. Okay, I get it. I'll pick up my socks. I'm not, okay, you win. You win, baby, okay? I'm a stooge. I'm one of the stooges. Uh, I can't imagine you guys hearing another word that I say when I'm wearing this tie. So <clears throat> I'm going to put this over here. Why not? How come there's no trash can up on this stage? Where it belongs. Oh, yeah, she paid $2 for that tie. So. All right, let's get, let's get going with our learning time. Uh, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 14? I'll meet you there. Here's a great quote from Thoreau. Nothing is so much to be feared as fear. Nothing is so much to be feared as fear. Fear can rule your life like very few oppressors. John Lloyd Ogilvie, he uh, was a scholar's pastor, and he asked an insightful question. He said, what is, the, what is the most frequent command in the Bible? What would you think it is? Uh, love more, right? I mean, the greatest of these is love, but it's not. Hate not is not the greatest command. How about uh, be humble? Almost every sin has its origins in pride somewhere. So be humble. Pride not. That's not it. In the Bible, you'll find, like no other command, simply these two words. Fear not. Fear not. Lo, I am with you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Trust me. As a matter of fact, Ogilvy says, apparently, we should hear fear not at least once a day because there's a suspicious 366 times that it's mentioned in the Bible. That's one for every day and on leap day two. 366 times it says fear not. And why would this command be so common in the Bible? Fear not. Don't be afraid. Doesn't seem like it's one of the top five vices. I don't think we've ever like, asked someone to leave our church because they live in fear. I, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't appear to be something that's just right up there. I, I, he doesn't, God doesn't say fear not because he wants us to live comfortable and safe and, and emotionally tranquil lives. As a matter of fact, usually you see fear not right after the Lord sends somebody into something that's fearful. <laughs> Go do something fearful, fear not. Here's the reason he says fear not. It is the number, fear is the number one reason that we use to keep us from doing God's will in our life. Fear is the emotion that keeps us from trusting God in new ways, in new ways, transforming ways. And here's the thing. If you truly want to have intimacy with God, if you want to know him and enjoy him, you have to, you have to overcome fear to do that. You're, like when you trust God in new ways, it is in trusting God in new ways that you come to know what he's like. You come to have an experience like with, 
with him. You feel his presence in that. Fear, in other words, let me say it this way, fear blocks the intimacy that God wants for you to have with him. And so if you look at Jesus' curriculum, in, you know, like if Jesus' curriculum for discipleship, he's just constantly putting his people, those who call them followers of Jesus, constantly putting them in places of fear so that they will overcome the fear <laughs> and enjoy a new revelation of who he is and what he's like. Look, obedience, is, obedience doesn't spare us from difficulties a lot of times. It actually leads us to difficulties. It leads us to places of, of, of a raised heart rate. God wants us to obey, not just so that we will be moral, so that we could reflect Christ in our lives. He wants us to obey because to obey is to be with him. Where is God? Where is God? Uh, he's over there in the scary stuff. If you want to be with him, you're going to have to get into the fear of it. Case in point, Matthew 14. Let's read it together. I'm going to start in verse 22. And this is just after they had fed 5,000. And by the way, that was kind of a scary thing. They figured their way out of that with a miracle, knowing Jesus. And then immediately after, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him uh, to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And while he dismissed, while he dismissed the crowd... And while he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there all by himself, all alone, but the boat was already considerable distance from the land, and the boat was being buffeted by waves because the wind was against them. Now, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. He made the lake. He can walk on it if he wants to. That's what happens when you're God. Verse 26. And the disciples saw Jesus walking on the, uh, on the lake, and they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear, fear. They were terrified, and now they're crying out in fear. They were out in a storm that was causing them to work hard to just navigate. That's a fear that they did understand. Now they've entered a fear they don't understand. Now they're talking about a ghost. <laughs> and then Jesus interrupts them and says, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I don't be afraid. There it is. Don't be afraid. Take courage. You don't need to do this. This, this is the theme here. Okay, this is the theme of, of this whole story here, is that why, why not be afraid? How does faith or trust quench this fear that they're involved in? Well, it's Jesus arranged it. Jesus was the one who sent them out on the boat. Jesus the one who sent the storm out on the lake. Jesus the one who is literally with them right here. This is a sovereign act, and when you understand the sovereignty of God and his, the way he works, you can realize he's there with you. But here's where it gets strange. You might know the story. Peter says, Peter answered Jesus, Lord, if it is you, then command me to come out to you on the water. Love this guy, right? I'm going to do something, then I'm going to think about what I should be doing later. Story of my whole life. Ask my mom. Do, then think. No, no, you're supposed to think, then do. But he just he gets out there. Jesus, Jesus says, come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Pause. Let's just look at this for a second. Let's spend a little bit of time and probably make it a little bit applicable to us here. Put ourselves in this situation. There's a storm. 
The winds are blowing, it says, so hard that now the waves are cresting, and it's so hard that seasoned professional sailors are having a very difficult time navigating this boat. It's dark. It says it's in the early morning. It's probably about 3 o'clock in the morning during a storm. Jesus calls Peter out to walk in the water. I'm not an expert on walking on water, but I'm thinking at noon on a still lake is probably going to be easier than 3 in the morning during a storm. Probably just as hard, frankly, but you get the idea. I'm just thinking water skiing. I'd rather... Anyway, but here's the bigger point is how do you respond to this boat versus Jesus? That's what Peter's choosing between. You have a boat of relative safety, and then you get out with Jesus where it's almost a certain drowning. The problem is, if you want to, John Ortberg wrote a book. It's titled Great. Here's the problem. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. There's no such thing as walking on water and staying safe. It's not provided for us. And the bigger, I guess, the bigger, like, existential pull here is, don't you know that there's something, no, someone, don't you know that there is someone in your soul that is calling you out to to live outside the safety of a boat? Don't you feel like a tug that from God's Holy Spirit that you are made for more than simply avoiding failure? Isn't, isn't there so much more to life, especially as a Christian? I gave that you might have life and have it abundantly, and you can't have the abundant life if you're trying to live a simply safe life. And so the question before us as we apply this to our lives is what, what is your boat? What is the place of safety or the thing of safety that you appeal to? It's, it's not hard to, what represents safety and security for you? What, what, uh, what do you put your trust in when you start seeing life storms coming your way? What keeps you in there? What, it, what, what do you not, here's another way, what do you not want to give up when you feel like it's the Lord that's calling you to do something new and something scary? What do you retreat back to and say, no, 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 I, I'm going to stay here? here? Here's another way. You, you can find out what your boat is, of what you, how you desire comfort by doing it backwards. Let your fear teach you. What do you fear losing or leaving behind if you actually lived a radical life of discipleship and following Christ? I'll bet it's not hard for some of us to find out what that is. Look at, look at faith in a whole different way. Watch this. I'm kind of changing the subject here, but look at faith in a, in a completely different way. It's such an obscure word like faith, but what, what do you get from having faith in God, in Yahweh? I mean, what benefit is there? It, like if you, if you trust in the power and the plan of God the Father... If you have assurance that his only begotten son was able to reconcile you and redeem you and make you right with the father, and then the, the resurrecting power of the Holy Spirit is sealed in your soul and is available to you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, 
what good is believing in a triune God? Well, I, I get to go to heaven. Okay, that's, that's, that's true, okay? But between now <laughs> and seeing him face to face, what difference does that make? Where do you use faith? Here's. You need faith and trust in a triune God for everything of significance that needs to change in your life. You will need the power of the Spirit, the relationship with the Son, and the, and the honor of being in the family of the Father for you to have radical life change in your life. In other words, uh, for, <laughs> There, there, there's parts of our lives that we have to change, that must change, or we cannot change, and we need to learn to live with that. We need to learn to live responsibly with the things that we cannot change. That radical change and that living responsibly is going to be a miracle, supernatural power. Again, let me just say it in our, our words, like what we say around here, to become like Christ in all of life, to become like Christ in all of life, you will have to face the fears that keep you from wanting to change. To become like Christ in all of life, you have to face the fears that keep you from becoming like Christ and get out of your boat of safety, or you will stagnate. You will not have a life of faith. You will have death of faith. That's how and where you trust the power and the goodness of God, to become like Christ. And, and we're going to have to overcome fear uh, to have that. Like, per personally, I feel like uh, sometimes in my life, I feel like I'm still in junior high I, I, because I don't want people to laugh at me. Oh, my goodness. They point and they laugh at me, maybe for wearing an ugly tie, let's just say. Um, no, really. But in this culture, if you, you've got to get used to getting laughed at. If you hold to the biblical view of morality and what the details of those are, you're going to be more than laughed at. You'll be mocked. Some of you will be maybe even persecuted. But that's what it's going to take to be able to live a life fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. There is no change without fear. And you cannot become like Christ in this boat, metaphorical boat. So here's what happens. Back to the story. <laughs> Peter is called out by, by Jesus to come out on the water, and he grabs the side of the boat, and he steps over. Just If you could imagine, he steps over, and the first foot plants. That must have been shocking, right? Because it's, it didn't go, he didn't fall over the side. So, and then he steps over and gets in the second foot. Now he's on the water, but he's holding onto that boat. Still a whole lot of physics being violated right now. Then he lets go of the boat. There he is. I mean, this is, the, this, is, this is bigger than the moon landing, okay? One great step for mankind. Yeah, because that was a marvel in engineering. This is a miracle. This is the only, like, human human, not, not divine human. This is the only human to ever walk on water. And he's doing it. Like, wow. <laughs> he's walking on water. And then, <laughs> well, when he saw the wind and the waves, right? When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. He got out into the wind. He got out there. And then he said, wait, what? <laughs> there he is. Now I'm thinking. And what I love about the story is it says he began 
to sink. I love that because if I... If, if my understanding of, of uh, physics is uh, right, it, he, he would have just splashed into the lake. But Jesus is even suspending his descent, right? This is the glory of God and his graciousness. He's like, gives him enough time to cry for help. So he does. And then immediately Jesus reaches out to his hand and caught him and said, you a little faith, why did you doubt? I love this interchange right here because it's just between Jesus and Peter. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calmed a storm. Some of you might know that story. Uh, A tremendous squall, and he stops it, and he says, do you have no faith? He said, where's your faith? This one, he says to Peter, hey, you've got a little faith. Progress. Progress, right? And then he says, why did you doubt? Only Peter gets to walk back with Jesus. Only Peter gets to have that experience. No one else does. Verse 33, or 32, 33 says, and then he climbed back in the boat, and when the wind, at at that moment, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Lesson learned. This is a very significant uh, progression in the storyline of Matthew. In Matthew's gospel, what we've seen is the Magi have worshipped Jesus, and then a leper will worship Jesus, and then a ruler will be at the temple, and he'll worship Jesus. But this is the first time that the disciples will worship Jesus. In the storm, in Matthew chapter 4, they said, who is this man? In this experience, they say, truly you are the Son of God, and it says they worship him. They get it. Lesson learned. Now they can progress into the fullness of who Jesus is. So, but here's the thing this story, this story is a real life parable of, of the life cycle of faith. I mean, would Peter like another shot at walking at water? You bet. Would he do well? I'm sure he would. But the lesson isn't about how to walk on water, the lesson is how to live a life of faith in the context of fear. How to live a cycle of life, and there's a life cycle of faith, and there's a death cycle of faith. Here's the life cycle of faith. Follow it through the outline. Life cycle of faith, it's like starts with fear. Okay, this is how you grow. This is how you thrive. You start with fear. There's some kind of challenge. The Holy Spirit is on you. You can hear him speak to you. He says, let's go do something different. It could be something simple, but maybe not to you, like comforting a friend or confessing a sin or acknowledging an, you know, an addiction. I'm gonna finally say it, right? It's something, it could be something simple for someone else, but it is fear-driven to you. Fear, doom, part two, crash through that fear. Realization that the Spirit of God has been haunting you long enough and you resolve, you know what, it's time to change. And I can't do this. I can't walk on water, I can't do this. I'm gonna need the power of the resurrection of the Holy Spirit in me to, for courage, and for just the power to do it. Then you do it, and you get out there in the middle of it, and then you say, wait, what? (laughs) Happens almost every time. Like in Peter's story, right? He gets out there, and he saw the waves. The waves were there already. (laughs) Nothing changed. He got out of the boat. He's still in the exact same circumstance he was in, but he's changed his focus from the Lord to the waves. You and I, when we do something crazy courageous for God, we'll get out there, and when we get in it, we'll be in the waves. I'm sorry, let me say that again. Then we'll be in the waves. Now we signed up for some kind of ministry, and now we're in the ministry, and we say, wait, what? 
Nothing's changed, just the focus. I mean, sometimes when you get out there, you think, uh, shouldn't I be rewarded for trusting you and getting out of the boat? Like, nah, we've got a lesson to learn here. And then you begin to sink, but you just begin to sink. God doesn't drop you. He's, he's enjoying this, this a journey with you. And we, by the way, why did Peter begin to sink? Why did Peter begin to sink? Now, if you're thinking it's because he started to doubt, it's because you've read the story too many times. So, because it's like Peter began to doubt, therefore he began to sink. Because doubt makes you less buoyant. I mean, I missed, missed that part of hydrodynamics. No, he started to sink because Jesus made him start to sink. Jesus is part of all of this. <laughs> and he's trying to teach him a lesson and he's trying to teach me a lesson. Maybe you too. Doubt. The fear causes us to doubt. The fear is what causes us to doubt. But also in that lesson is that faith quenches that fear. It's, the, it's, it's faith and trust in who Jesus is that quenches the fear that's brought about by doubt. See, listen, when Jesus talks to Peter, he doesn't say, why did you fear? That's important. He doesn't say, why did you fear? There's a lot to be afraid of out here. Yeah, there's the wind and the waves. And you're not supposed to be walking on water. So, yeah. He says, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Fear, listen, friends, fear is always part of the story. It's the primary means to use our faith and trust in a triune God. That's how we get there. But here's the thing. Our faith and trust makes the fear like a background noise. And we're going to move along without it. Doubt when we stop trusting and fearing, it makes fear like a deafening siren call that leads us to our destruction. Fear is always part of it. You can't run from fear. You can just run away from it. Well, anyway, the next thing that happens is he cries out and immediately a hand reaches out. That's what happens. And you're strengthened by Yahweh. You're in there in the moment. And then that leads to worshiping the one true God. After every new adventure, you're going to find yourself saying, Wow. That's why we call it a God thing. Even the phrase, a God thing, is an expression of worship. I couldn't do that. Jesus did that. I couldn't have succeeded in that, in that context. That was the Lord working through me. That's how, that, that's how the cycle, the life cycle of faith works. But listen, how you interpret this story is actually it's, it's definitive to how you define life. How you see Peter is maybe how you might see yourself when you look at him, right? In other words, how do you keep score in living by faith? Uh, still another way, let me just say, it. Did, did Peter fail? Did Peter fail? If, if you say, well, yeah, I did. I mean, he saw the wind, right? He took his eyes off the Lord, saw the wind, and then he began to sink. That's true. If that's the lesson we're supposed to learn, then we're going to find ourselves saying, I can't trust. It's not worth living that faith-filled life. I think I'll just... Mm, stagnate right here. But Peter didn't fail. Peter learned. That's what's happening in this story. And failure, whatever he had, whatever you want to call that, that's, part of all, that's always part of learning. That's part of living, is going out there and not working out like you thought. It's not the failure that's the lesson here. It's how you respond to failure. And Peter is... <laughs> For the record, not a failure 
because he is the only one that walked on water. Still, this day, the only real human, right, the only real human to ever take three steps out and three steps back. This is failure. The 11 guys in the boat. And the reason they don't get much press is because, well, their failure was quiet. And it was private. No one noticed. There's no shame. And they just stayed safe. Good for them. Me, I want to be Peter. <laughs> because here's the cycle of death for your faith. Start with fear. Two, stay in the boat. That's it. Well, nowadays, it seems like you get to make fun of people that get out of the boat. Post that somewhere. Here's the lesson today. Make friends with fear. Make friends with fear. Oh, let me quote the row again. Nothing is so much to be feared as fear. Yeah, because fear has so much power. But no, because fear and doubt and failure, they're part of growth. And, and Jesus... the. Jesus' discipleship curriculum in the lives of these 12 men and in our lives is to absolutely renounce safety as an ultimate value. Comfort is not what we are to pursue. Holiness is. Becoming like Christ in all of life. To get from here to there, there's fear. <laughs> Every time there's fear. Look, look what, uh, I love what Susan Jeffers says. The fear will never go away as long as I continue to grow. It, it never leaves you if you're continuing to grow. You can make the fear stop by sitting in the boat, not changing, not trying to become like Christ in all of life. You got to make friends with fear. Just like, I don't know, it's, it's just getting used to it. Oh, oh, that pit in my stomach. Oh, never mind that. That's just fear. All bark, no bite. Gonna go do it anyway. It's still there. It's not going away. Here's, here's a fact of, of anthropology, the nature of man. You become what you practice. What you practice, you become. And right now, this last week, we are forming life habits or death habits. We are forming life habits or death habits, and then we become what we practice. We have to choose between risk and comfort, and we practice those, and each of those gets better with time. If we risk and risk and risk, we get better at taking risks. If it's all about comfort, 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 we're going to get very good at that. Each time you get out of the boat, it gets easier to get out of the boat. Each time you choose not to, yeah. You'll get good at that too. That's what this lesson is. <laughs> here's, the, here's the point of this story. It really is. There is, a, there is danger in getting out of the boat of comfort that you live in. But there is a greater danger by staying in that boat. That is not the way you were made. It is not part of our design. It is not the abundant life that Jesus Christ promised us and called us to. So, we have to get out of the boat a little bit every day. Just get like really good at it. So like what, what is scary to you today? Maybe you could do something today. Something simple. 
writing an encouraging letter, calling someone, maybe confessing a sin. Got to practice. You got to practice getting out of that boat. Like, look, look what we've done. We just like behind the scenes, here's the mastermind behind our campaign for the next six months. We're going to have a summer of giving, right? We're going we're gonna to work. We're going to figure out. We're going we're gonna to realize that everything we have is not ours. It's on loan from God. Jesus you know, doesn't say the Bible, we own this stuff. He says we're stewards of the stuff that God gives us. Not just possessions, but our time and our, our skills and our wealth. And so we're having this summer of giving, which is going to be a blast, but some of the purpose of it is for some people whose safety is wealth or their income, we're going to say, hey, here's a boat you can get out of, and we're going to make a game out of it, and we're all going to do it together. So join us in this summer of giving because it'll be fun, and it's scary, and that's where Jesus is. We're going to have a, a, a fall of serving. You know why we're having a fall of serving? Because some people, like other people say, this is my money. Some people say, this is my time. <laughs> like, no, it's not. You're going to have to go and serve. Serve here in the church. Serve outside the church. Do something that's not comfortable to you. Meet some more people. Yeah, get out of the boat. We're having a, a big outreach on August 15th. I told you, like, let's go, man. High attendance Sunday, August 15th. We're going to bring the gospel clear and friendly. Right, right at them. And we're asking everyone in our congregation to be a minister with the people that God has brought them to in his sovereignty, right? Prayer, care, share. Why? Because it's scary. The, the, whole, the giving and the, and, and the serving and the outreach, prayer, care, share, look, look, look. These aren't programs. These aren't like events that we're going to do and say, well, we did that in 21. Let's go. Let's do something else. No, these are lifestyles of walking on water. It's a lifestyle of water walk. It's, it's, kind, it's like collectively as a team, right? we're like we're getting out of the boat every day. We'll find something that scares you, and then we'll push you out of the boat. <laughs> Come join Grace Covenant Church. <laughs> it sounded better when I wrote it down. It sounded much better. I'll work on that between services. Why would you walk on water? Because that's where the growth happens. That's walking, getting out of the boat, that's where true faith grows. That's where doubts die. You have a fear, you have a doubt about the nature of God, and you go and challenge that with fear, and you go into that fear, and you realize God is greater than the fear that you've been running from. Because living in fear is not living. Living for safety isn't safe, and it's not living. <laughs> Walking on water, it comes down to this. Simply, it comes down to this. Why did Peter get out of that boat? Why did Peter get out of that boat? Because that's where Jesus was. And he wanted to be with Jesus. In this story, there's only one person that has a private, intimate, coaching conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, Why'd you doubt? You got a little faith. Let's walk back. You want an intimate, tender-hearted, one-on-one, private conversation with the king? Do you want to have a kind of intimacy and experience God's story that when, you know, when you're 
pulse finally settles down, you just want to worship. You want to truly know and enjoy who he is and what he's like. He's out there. He's out there in the waves where the wind blows, out of the boat. And you're going to know him in a way that you could never know him otherwise. And the best part is, it's a very short walk from where you are right now. What if we were a church of water walkers? Wow. That would be a great thing to pray for. So, maybe you could join me in that. Let's do this. Could you just, like, close your eyes, bow your heads, that stuff, right? But just turn your palms up. Receive something, maybe. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, show me that there's more than safety and security and calm. Lord, I'd ask that you would turn down all the noise around me, the noise that's fear, that's brought about because of my doubts, and I, I want to invite you to invite me to get out of my boat. I want to invite you to call me, and I'll come. Lord, I receive your invitation for the abundant life, and I, through fear, have chosen to have a safe life instead. And now, Lord, I'm tired of that. I want to become like Christ in all of my life, and there's only one way for that to happen, Lord. I acknowledge now that it is transcending the fear that keeps me from knowing you. And so I'd rather know you and have a round of fear than stay where I am. Set me free from me. Do this to grace. Do this to our church, Lord. Set us free. Make us dangerous. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.